This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. All right, well, for those of you who have been around, or if you haven't, we've been tracking with a series that we have called Ready, Set, Go. Um, This is actually our fifth week of this series. Um, If you want to catch up on the others, they are online. Uh, But what this series has been talking about is the preparation for our mission and how we can be prepared. So uh, we talked about some different pillars. We talked about passion uh, the first week. Then we talked about power the second week. Week three, we talked about our purpose. Week four, we talked about our provision. And this week, we're going to talk about our perspective. And so I just want to read our theme verse uh, this morning. It's from 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24 to 27. Um, It says, "You've uh, you've all been to the stadium and seen the athletes. Uh, the athletes race, sorry. Everyone runs, but one wins. Run to win. All good athletes train hard. They do it for a gold medal that tarnishes and fades. You're after one that's gold eternally. That's what we're going to talk about today. Everyone runs this race. And, and if you look around you, everyone's running. Everyone's trying to accomplish something or achieve something. But the things that we do in our life, they can be just very temporal. Our, our accomplishments and goals at times can be very temporal, but today I want to talk about what is eternal, and that's what we run after. I don't know about you, but I'm running hard for the finish line. I'm giving it everything I've got. No sloppy living for me. I'm staying alert and in top condition. I'm not going to get caught napping, telling everyone else about it, and then missing out myself. Um, so as we wrap up this series, I want to focus on, on that one thing that I actually believe affects all the other pillars that we've been talking about. And it's this idea of having an eternal perspective. Um, the question I've asked myself as I've been thinking about this is how can we live eternally focused lives that extend beyond ourselves? Um, that theme verse that talks about running after that gold eternal. I want to kind of look at what that actually means because I believe that many people today are running after that which is temporal. We're spending our time, we spend our effort, we sometimes spend our priorities on the things that are temporal. I believe that, that we're living in times where the enemy has managed somehow to distract people away from that eternal gold. He's managed to come in and, and, and and distract us from the things that are really important, that are eternally valuable, through things like busyness, um, lack of purpose, focusing on things that are time-consuming but empty. Um, I believe that that many believers today are tired, um, they're scattered, they're stressed, they're worn out. Anyone recognize those terms? Right? Sometimes we're, we're like, oh, oh no, here comes that lady. She's going to ask us to do one more thing. <laughs> I, I have a feeling she's going to like ask me to do something. And, and the thought of one more thing is like, oh, please, can I slip out now? But let me tell you this morning that it's not about adding one more thing to your life. It's about actually refocusing your life and sharpening your focus so that you're actually doing the right things instead of getting exhausted doing all the things that don't even matter. And so I, I want to today just stir up a passion in you to run after the gold of eternal value. Having 
the right eternal perspective in the things that you do. It's not just about what things you do. It's about the perspective you have in the things that you do. More and more these days as I talk to different people, I've heard this phrase over and over where people are saying, you know, I I just feel like I need to simplify my life. I just feel like I need to cut some stuff out. And can I say a big yes and amen? I've heard so many people say it, and it's the same thing that's happening these days, where people are just feeling kind of frayed at the edges from just this scattered feeling. And so today, I want us to to take a hard, good look at what we do with our lives, and if there's a way that we can actually set aside those things that are temporal, set aside those things that don't bring purpose. Um, A few years ago, our oldest son, Josiah, came home from school one day, and he said, Mom, I don't know why they use such a bad white, uh, not whiteboard, smartboard at school. Like, do they have issues with the, the money for the school board? Because it's like blurry all the time. And I said, well, have you tried setting up, you know, closer to the board? He's like, yeah. I said, like, right up front. And I can't see. It's like blurry. I don't know why they wouldn't, like, fix the, fix the smartboard. And he's like, and, and on top of that, the people at the back of the class don't seem to have a problem with it. And I started going, uh-oh. <laughs> I see where this is going. I think we need to go and see the eye doctor. So we did. And sure enough, our son needed glasses. I'm not sure how long he had needed glasses. You know those moments where you feel like a horrible mom? That was one of them, where I'm like, and how long has this been going on for But you know what had happened is that over time, his vision had got blurred, but he didn't realize it. He didn't know something was wrong with his vision until one day he recognized that there's other people that can see just fine. So we went to the eye doctor, we got a prescription, we ordered his glasses, and I'll never forget the day that we picked up his glasses. Because we're driving home, and, and I had a running commentary from the back. And he goes, Mom, there's leaves on those trees! If I felt bad before, I felt even worse now. (laughs) And then he's like, and look at that street sign. It's got words on it. (laughs) Well, um, praise the Lord that we figured that one out. We are sorry. We are so sorry for taking so long to recognize this need of yours. But can I tell you this morning... What happens to many of us is that our vision gets blurred over time and we don't know it. So today I actually want to sharpen your vision. I want to help you put on glasses that are going to help you see what actually really matters. I want you today to not be okay and not be satisfied to just see a blur out there and have like this okay feeling about I'm just trying my best and I guess I'm just living my life. But I want to I want to help you today to get a razor-sharp focus so that you can actually see what God intends you to see. I want you today to get put on spiritual glasses so that you can actually see the purpose and the call that God has for you, not just for the person beside you. But today, my hope and my prayer is that you would sharpen your focus so that you no longer have to live with a blurred vision. So I've been praying this week and just preparing for this message. I've had this, this phrase, and I apologize. I'm probably going to get a little emotional today because God has just gripped me this, this week. And I have heard this phrase over and over just play in my mind. 
of God saying, you need eternity to grip your heart. You need eternity to grip your heart, to take a hold of your heart, to realize that you are not just here by accident. You are not just here for here and now. But what you do here and now will have an eternal effect, not just for you, but for everybody that you encounter. And so the way today for you to sharpen your focus and to get your glasses on is to allow God to grip your heart with a thought of eternity. I've recognized that the most fulfilled and happy people aren't the people that have the most and that have a shelf of accomplishments that they can show off, but it's the people that have connected with the purpose that God created them for. And they are running a race tirelessly because God is their strength. God is the person. God is their coach that is standing on the sidelines saying, you can do it. Come on. You can run one more leg and don't give up now. Just get ready. And that's what we've called this series, Ready, Set, Go. Because I believe every one of us is called to run that race. It doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter when you started your journey with Christ. If you started it five minutes ago or if you've walked with the Lord for 80 years, he has a purpose for you. And what he wants to do today is sharpen your focus so that you never forget that you're not here by accident. See, if you're living for accomplishments, you will live in strife. You will be constantly striving to accomplish one more thing. And accomplishments are good. So please don't hear me wrong. It's good to have goals. It's good to set goals. But in those accomplishments, make sure that Jesus is at the center. Because if not, you'll get tired. And you will work hard to accomplish one thing. And when you get there, unless Jesus is part of that plan, you're going to feel empty. You're going to feel tired. And you're going to get on the ladder to try to find the next one. I've heard so many people that have spent time trying to accomplish one thing, and then they got there. They thought they were going to have this awesome experience, and it still wasn't what they were looking for. Now, if Jesus is in that accomplishment, then you're probably going to feel a tremendous sense of purpose. But can I say, when you live in your purpose, you can be very busy with the things of God, and yet still, in the midst of that experience, the rest of God. Because he's the one that fuels you in each step. Bobby Houston from Hillsong, you've probably heard me quote this before if you've been around, but I love this quote. She said this, we have one life, one moment to serve, and an eternity to marvel at the opportunity we were given. What we do in life echoes for all eternity. See, if eternity grips your heart, it changes everything. It creates a sense of urgency in us where we're not just happy to live for the moment, but we understand that there's a greater destiny in each and every one of us. It changes us from living self-centered life and being selfish to being selfless. And it doesn't matter where you are and what sphere of influence that you're in. God needs you there. God needs you in those places that he's opening up for you. There's places that you'll go to that I'll never be in because he needs you there. He created you and he put you in that place because he doesn't want you to be there just for you. He wants you to be there because you are to be a light that shines and points points people to Jesus no matter where you are. We need to understand that our eternal destiny, if you, if you believe in Jesus, if you've accepted him in your heart, then your eternal destiny is settled. But our eternal rewards are negotiable. 
Robert Morris said it this way, our belief determines where we'll spend eternity, and our behavior determines how we will spend eternity. Do you know that there's things that God has called you to do that he wants you to do? that he wants to use you to do because the Bible says that he wants to lead you and guide you. And then when you step into those things, he's going to reward you. Maybe not always here and now, but in it, it actually talks about how when we get to eternity, it's not just about getting there. It's about getting there knowing that we can stand one day before Jesus, before the, the judge and say, I did my best. I did what you asked me to do. So I just want to define eternity quickly for us. It means an infinite time or a state of existence outside of time. This is something that we can't comprehend. We can't mentally comprehend what that is. But can I say this morning, heaven is a real place. It is our hope. It is where we're going to spend eternity when we know him. Titus 3 verse 7 to 8 says this, because of his grace, he declared us righteous and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, and I want you to insist on these teachings so that all who trust in God will devote themselves to doing good. These teachings are good and beneficial for everyone. See, we need to live with an eternal mindset where we know that God has given us eternal life. And we will inherit it one day if we stay the course, if we run the race. Ecclesiastes 3.11, it's one of my favorite verses. It says this, that he has planted eternity in the human heart. See, God is a brilliant creator because when he created human beings, he actually created them with this void. He created every single human being, whether they recognize him as their creator or not. He created them with this void inside their heart. He said, I placed eternity in their heart because there's a void, there's a longing that only God can fill. And people do all sorts of things and try all sorts of things to fill that void, but there's only one that can fill it. And so if you have an eternal perspective in how you live, you recognize that God has chosen you to show people how to fill that void because there is only one way. And so God wants to use you to show people That there's only one answer. And his name is Jesus Christ. See, each of us has different responsibilities. But all our callings produce one thing. And it's lives being impacted for eternity. So don't worry so much about the how. Concentrate on the what. God wants to use you to impact lives for eternity. How you do it can be so many different ways because we have a creative God. You know, I think of um, the, the little things that people do that they don't always recognize have eternal purpose. But our, our own Brianna, I don't know where she is if she's in here, Brianna French. But Brianna French, a few years ago, did not know the Lord at all. She wasn't a Christian. And she decided to take this job as a nanny because she's awesome with kids. Little did she know that this family was a Christian. And so she went in there to take care of the kids. But can I say the kids took care of her? And she was required as their nanny to read them Bible stories and pray with them every night. And so the little cute little kitty started talking to our wonderful Brie Brie, as we call her. Don't tell her I said that because she, we'll call her Brie. Okay. But our wonderful Brie, you know, they're like, well, Jesus is real and he loves everybody. And so they started telling her about Jesus. And the family started, the parents started telling her about Jesus. And before they knew it, Brianna surrendered her heart to Christ. 
Well, then she moved back to Kingston. And then she, she was like, now, now what do I do? I, I know, geez, I don't even know what church to go to. She had tried a couple things. And, and then she, one day she was in this place and she saw a poster. And it said, concert at this such and such a place. And then at the bottom, she saw this name, Chris Leith. She goes, what? This is like a Christian concert. I got to go talk to Chris. He was my favorite teacher in high school. Don't say every other, don't tell that to the other teachers. <laughs> but she told me, Chris, you were her favorite. Um, so she goes, she goes back to her high school. She's been out of high school for a good couple of years, but she had this, this thing, there's got to be something about him. I think I need to talk to him. So she shows up at the high school one day. I don't know if you remember this, Chris, but he was obviously teaching that day. So he says, I, I don't know where you're here, but you should talk, you should go talk to this te- other teacher named Christy, Christy McCreary. So Brianna goes just randomly and talks to Christy. And Christy says, hey, you should come to this church that I go to. Chris and I have connected at this, this church called Impact. See, what, what Chris may not have realized about organizing a concert was that he was actually about to affect someone for eternity. See, we may think that what we do is so little, but that name caught her attention, caused her to pursue something more because she knew she needed connection somewhere. And this has been an awesome journey because now God is using Brianna to go into the schools. She's not even a teacher. But every day, every week she visits a public school and every week she visits a high school. And she is sharing with them the love of Jesus through some awesome doors that God has opened, all because she took a job as a nanny. Can I tell you this morning, do not underestimate how God can use you. If you're eternally focused, God can use the smallest thing, even if it's your name on a poster, to draw someone because they have an eternal longing to connect to a greater purpose. And God has put you as a puzzle piece in this grand scheme of life that he wants to use you in so that we can connect people to eternity. You have something to give. You have something to do. You have a task that God has tasked you with that nobody else can do. You are in an influence and a sphere of people that no one else can go to because God placed you there for a purpose. You're not there by accident. You're not there just because it's a good idea. You're there so that you can point people to Jesus. So I just want to show you five quick things, and I, I will try to be quick. I'll try. That's my promise. Five really quick things. Ah, I say, um, when we have an eternal perspective, there's, five, there's many th- it affects everything. But I'm going to jo- just draw out five quick things. First way is this. It affects the way we view ourselves. See, you're not here by accident. You're not here just for you. And if you haven't kind of settled that in your heart right now, I just want to tell you that God has a plan for your life. It wasn't by accident. He could, have, he could have had you be born in the dark ages or, or in the Bible times or on the other side of the world. But he chose to have you here and now for this time, for this purpose, because he knows that you are needed to accomplish his plan. Psalm 139 verse 16 says, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book and every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. This verse actually declares that God has planned your life out before you were even born. And then in Jeremiah 1.5, he goes on to say, I knew you before I even formed you in your mother's womb. 
So if you thought that was mind-blowing enough that God knows you as you were in your mother's womb, he's actually saying in, in Jeremiah, he says, by the way, I actually knew you before you were even formed. I had a plan and I set you apart and appointed you as a prophet to the nations. He's saying this to Jeremiah. He wasn't even formed yet. He wasn't even in his mother's womb yet. And God said, I have a specific plan for you. That's the God that we serve. Before you were formed, before you existed, God had a plan for you. See, having an eternal perspective recognizes and it shifts the way that we view ourselves. When you know that God has a very specific purpose for you. The second thing it affects is the way we view others. If we truly live with God's perspective, we realize that those around us are not just names and faces. They're people with a story, with joys and sorrows, accomplishments and disappointments and and all these stories. But they are valuable to God. And perhaps he has put you in their life for this season for a reason. When we allow eternity to grip our heart, we recognize that those around us are not just there by accident. God has you in that place for a reason. See, sometimes God uses others to touch us, and sometimes he uses us to touch others. I wouldn't be here without the influence of I don't even know how many people that have shaped and formed my life. Philippians 2, verse 3 and 4 says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem, um, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but for the interests of others. See, having an eternal perspective changes everything. Because you realize we're not here just for us. We're here to take care of others. We're here to esteem other people better than ourselves and help them um, connect with their creator and find their purpose. See, when we have an internal perspective, we also realize we're not here in competition with one another. It's not about being better than somebody else. That is not what it's about. It's about esteeming one another higher and allowing God to use you to sharpen someone else so that they can be the best that they can be. Can I tell you right now, there's so many Christians that are missing out on their own purpose because they're too busy comparing themselves to someone else. Or looking down on someone else. And can I say, that's not enough. It's it's not what God called you to do. That's not how we should live our lives. Because if all you do is compare yourself to someone else to feel a little bit better uh, about yourself, you're actually using them as a stepping stone. Instead of using them as a precious gift of God in your life that you can help draw closer to Jesus and then can help push you closer to Jesus. See, I believe that jealousy has crept into the church world as much as it has outside the church world. And it has no place here. It has, can I just be honest and say it has no place? Wow, I got quiet. Thud. Can I say it this way? God's plan is so grand that he doesn't need you to compete with someone else. For the same thing. Because he's got something for you to do, and for you to do, and for you to do, and for you to do. And let's, can we be honest, and let's stop wasting our time 
competing with one another and let's run to win the prize that God has set before us and run for the prize that is eternal, that's eternal gold. You can throw things at me later. But we need to live for something greater. John Bevere said this, there's scores of people who've done well in relation to with whom they've compared themselves, yet they've not allowed the eternal to direct and fuel their lives. Allow eternity this morning to grip your life. Romans 14, verse 10 and on, it says, Why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God, so let's stop condemning one another. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. So then let us aim for harmony in the church and build each other up. This is what God wants. He wants you to live with eternity in your mind so that you're not busy condemning other people or comparing yourself to other people, but instead he's calling us to live in such a way that we don't cause people to stumble. Instead, we draw people closer to Jesus. And the result, it says in verse 19, is harmony in the church by building each other up. We can either live to cause someone to stumble or to inspire them to live more like Jesus. The third thing that it affects is what, the way we view what we do. So in Matthew 25, and I'll wrap this up real quick, this parable, but in Matthew 25, I'll read from um, verse 14. It says, For the kingdom of God of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability. Can I point out that it doesn't say to each according to his favoritism? Or to each according to how awesome they were. He just said, he gave five to one, he gave two to another, and one to another. According to their ability, according to the way that they could handle things and do things and steward things. And then he goes away, and, and to wrap up the story, basically he goes away, and then he comes back, and he calls the servants, and he, he asks them for an account of what they've done. And in verse 21, we see, um, actually before verse 21, the one servant who had been given five came back to him and said, Lord, I, I earned five more. I took what you gave me, and I did my best with what I had, and I earned five more. And then in verse 21, he says, his Lord said to him, well done, you good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things, and I will make you a ruler over many things enjoy enter into the joy of your lord and then the person that had two talents comes and says the same thing lord i I took the two and i I used them and i I invested them and i did all these things and i earned two more do you know that the response is the exact same verse 23 he says well done you good and faithful servant you were faithful over a few things i will make you a ruler over many things enter into the joy of your lord can i ask you what was the profit for those of you who, who know math What was the profit of the first one? How much did he earn? Richard, help me out. 100%. Okay, awesome. Thank you, Richard. That was very profound. How much did the the second servant, the one with you? Is there a difference? Did you see, the story doesn't say that the one with two came in and whatever. Here am I, two, because I only got two. He comes and he takes whatever the master gave him. Let's be real. Sometimes we act like that. Sometimes we're like, well, I wasn't given five. But can I say this morning, it's not about what you're given. 
It's about what you do with what you're given. Because the reward is the same, because the effort was the same. They both doubled their profit. The only one that was in trouble was the one that got one, because you know what he did? He was gripped with fear, because he didn't see the greater purpose. He only saw the temporal. He only saw that one talent. He dug it in the ground, and he came back with fear and trembling, and said, "Um, Sue, here's your talent back. You know what he's saying? is, I didn't really want it. He could have doubled. He could have just had one more. And that would have still been the same prophet. But instead, he dug it in the ground. And the Bible goes on to say that the master took that talent from him and cast him out into darkness because he didn't steward what he had. See, when eternity grips our heart, we realize that what, what we do, the, it changes the way we view what we do. Um, I have one more quote from a lady named Rebecca Springer. She said this, If we can only realize that while we are yet mortals, that day by day we're building for eternity, how different our lives in many ways would be. Every gentle word, every generous thought, every unselfish deed will become a pillar of eternal beauty in the life to come. See, when we can see God's perspective on what he has given us, it changes what we do, because we can let go of those thoughts of what everyone else has, what everyone else is good at, and take the talent, and not just talents, but take the abilities and the gifts that God has given in your life, and I'm going to put a shameless plug-in for discovery groups. If you don't know what that is, (laughs) sign up for a discovery group and figure out what you're good at, because God desires you to find a place And I I pray that each and every one of us will be able to stand before God one day and hear those words. Well done, you good and faithful servant. And when you use what he gives you, he actually will increase what you do. The fourth thing is this, it changes the way we view our relationship with Jesus. See, the value is not in how much we have or in how much we can do, but it's actually in who you are in Jesus. All those other points are actually irrelevant unless we get this one right. See, God wants you to see who you are in him, who he has created you to do. See, if your value is in what you can do for him, you will live in the fear of missing it. But if your value is in who you are in him, you will learn to love him more, And be loved by him. And simply share that love with those around you. It's a huge difference. 1 John 4.17 says, As we live in God, our love grows more perfect and perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. But we can face him with confidence. Because we live like Jesus in this world. See, if eternity is real to us, if we understand that we're not just here for here and now, we're not just here for ourselves, but we recognize that eternity is not just about getting a ticket that, or like a, an insurance card that we can stick in our pocket and know that one day when we get before the throne of God, we can pull out that insurance card and say, okay, I'm good because I bought the policy. But what Jesus does is he actually presents us with a, with a manual for how to live here and now, not just then. But he gave us the word of God so that we can live according to his will, according to his purpose, according to the way he created us to live so that we can have a prosperous life, so that we can have a filled life that is filled with purpose, that's filled with joy, that is filled with even through the hardships, even through those things, we can rest in the promise that we know him, he knows us. And it's not just about making it there one day. 
It's about living for him here and now. John 17.3 actually gives the very definition of how we can have this eternal life. It says, and this is eternal life. This is the best verse I've ever found on what eternal life really is about. That they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. We live in a world full of options. Everyone wants to have their own way to God, their own way of doing things. People don't like being told what to do. But can I say this verse is very clearly, this is eternal life, that we know God. It doesn't say that we know about him, but that we know God. It speaks of a personal relationship with him. And it says that they know God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Jesus is the entry point to know the Father. He is the reflection, the perfect reflection of the Father for us. And so can I say, in the day and age that we live in, we need to be unashamed to let people know that there is an eternity, that God, that eternity that's placed, that hole that's placed in their heart, there's only one way to fill it, and it's through Jesus Christ. And so God wants to use you to be a conduit of his love to those around you so that they can discover what fills that hole, so that they can discover that there is no eternal life apart from Jesus. And when eternity grips your heart, can I tell you that it's impossible to have a casual relationship with Jesus. You just can't. And it's not even about allowing Jesus to become the the top of your priorities. Jesus wants to be the center of your life, not just an add-on on your palette of things that you do. He wants to be the center of what you do. And it doesn't matter what you do in life, where you work. He wants to be the center because God can use you. When he's the center of your life, he will permeate out into every place that you go, every person you talk to, every area that you touch, every institution that you visit. He can permeate his life out of you into those around you. But if he's just a nice add-on, it won't affect you much, and it won't affect those around you much. But when we understand that God created you for an eternal purpose, he grips your heart, and he becomes the center And he doesn't want a casual relationship with you. He's not here to inconvenience you, but he's here to show you that living with him in this center is so much better. Sometimes people look at religion and say, well, that's boring. And I agree. A casual relationship with Christ is boring. But when you surrender your whole heart, And allow him to become the center of your entire life, of your thoughts, of your being, what you do, where you go. It's an adventure that will last for a lifetime. And then you just slip into eternity and you continue that adventure with him. See, some people live as if they just can't wait to get there because then everything will be good. But do you know that Jesus can use you here and now to live an exhilarating adventure with him? Are you here this morning? Maybe I'll get some emails later. I don't know. When Jesus is the center of our lives, his heartbeat becomes our heartbeat. His passions become our passions. His life becomes our life. And there's nothing else that matters. 
you don't know Jesus yet, today's your day. Because it'll change your life. He'll change your life if you let him. Maybe you know Jesus today. But you've had him as one of many things. Today's your day. Because I tell you, it's going to change your life forever. The last thing I want to say is it changes our view of the Great Commission. Maybe you've heard this verse before. Maybe you've heard it so many times you're about to tune me out. But I'm going to read it anyways. It's Matthew 28 and says, Jesus came to them. These are his last words to his disciples. And he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Can I tell you this morning, the Great Commission has already been given. God not only knows every human being, he is passionate about having relationship with every human being. That's you, but that's also the people around you. And he's passionate. That's why if we allow him to come, become the center of our lives, the Great Commission does not become an option. It's not for certain people that are gifted. Don't settle. I know maybe this wasn't the positive, encouraging K-Love message you were hoping to hear this morning. But can I tell you this morning, there's nothing more fulfilling than living your life in such a way that you allow God's compassion for people to consume you. Jesus needs you. He doesn't need the person that's gifted with evangelism only. He doesn't need the, the person from those, you know, the red, blue, green, and, and yellow. You know, we look at the yellow and we're like, oh, the enthusiastic people. That's Pastor Cam. Uh, and we, we leave it sometimes with the people that are, are good with their words and, and, and determined and driven. But Jesus needs you. The Great Commission is not an option. Not when he's the center. Because he needs you. I could tell you a million stories of people that are sitting in here that have made an eternal difference in someone's life by just being who they are in their setting. I'm going to pick on my mother-in-law, who's this sweet, quiet little lady. Unless you touch her voice, then she's not sweet and quiet. Then she's like, <laughs> lion comes out and roars in prayer with that woman. But you know how many lives she touches by just being her? I could pick out so many of you and give examples of how God uses you. Just know that God wants to use you. I'm going to skip ahead um, to 1 Corinthians 12. This verse is very profound, and it literally says this, but God, now God has set the members, each of them in the body, just as he pleased. God placed you in the body of Christ where he wanted you, the way he wanted you, with the, the way that you are, the way he, now you, sometimes we do need to change. Just going to put that out there. <laughs> but, but he created you unique. Some more unique than others. I did marry him, and I guess that was my choice. 
But when you connect to your purpose, and when you let eternity fill your heart, then you recognize that there is a place for you. God placed you in the body. It says right there, the way, where he wanted you. Now, if you're an elbow, be a really good elbow. And don't worry about who's the nose. That's where most people get hung up because they just, they just focus so much on what other people can do. But be the best elbow you can ever be. And the body of Christ will thrive. I want to share one last story of what happened in the New Testament church because um, after Jesus resurrected, there was the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit came in power and equipped them. And Peter, who had denied Jesus just days before, stands up, preaches this sermon, this incredible sermon, this coward. Talk about transformed in one moment. This person who, who couldn't even acknowledge that he knew Jesus a few days before. Now he's standing up before the crowds in Jerusalem. And he preaches a message that, by the way, wasn't so encouraging. It was like, repent, you sinner. You killed Jesus. And now he wants to be part of you. And 3,000 people somehow thought that sermon was awesome. Um, and it was, it was just incredible. But 3,000 people were added to the church in one day. Can I say that? It's awesome church growth. Like, wow, Peter needs to write a book on church growth and development. But you know what happened? They couldn't keep up with it. They didn't know what to do with everybody. So they were trying to do food distributions for the widows, and they were trying to preach the gospel, and the apostles found themselves too busy. I mean, that's, that's a lot of growth. They weren't ready. So they had this meeting, and they said, hey, we need people that can, that can like, take care of just feeding the widows so that we can keep preaching. That's actually what they did. You can read it in Acts chapter 6. And then in verse 6 and 7, they said, now they set these people, they, they chose seven men to serve food. It was their divine purpose to serve food. They weren't even set apart to be small group leaders or to be missionaries or to be, you know, lead a, a home group or a worship team. They said, we're going to set you apart. We're going to pray and commission you, seven able and willing men, so that you can serve food. They had a purpose. And they weren't worried about whether they were preaching or teaching or leading worship. They just said, I want to be used by God, just like Isaiah said, when God says, who, who will go for me? They said, here I am. Send me. I'll serve food. So they brought them before the apostles. And, and it says in Acts 6, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. Wouldn't that be an awesome ministry? I'm going to lay hands on you to be anointed to serve food. You can come to my house and share it. Um, but, the, but listen to what happened. When they found their function and gifting, it says the word of God spread and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. Why? Because they, they realized, I'm an elbow. So I need to be a good elbow. And I need to do what elbows do. See, I heard this statistic, and it's very interesting but if a pastor wins 10,000 people to the Lord every month, if he, if he preaches a really good message and has influence and he, he reaches 10,000 people that come into relationship with Jesus every month, do you know how long it will take him to reach the world? 60,000 years. But if two people each share the good news with two people. And then those four 
share about the good news of Jesus with two people. And then those eight share what they have just found. They just found the answer. They found what filled the hole in their heart. So I'm going to share it with just two people. Just two people. If they did that every month, do you know how, how long it would take to reach the whole world with the good news of Jesus? 33 months. And everyone would get to hear the good message of Jesus. Jesus needs you. See, I, I've been so compelled this whole week because I feel like God is waiting. He's waiting for us to say yes. He's waiting for us to say yes, not just to a, a church ministry and, and to do this little thing. He's waiting for us to say yes, to live lives that are completely surrendered to him. He's waiting for us to say yes, to have the courage to share about the good news with those around us. He's waiting for us to say yes, and what he's doing this morning is I believe he's standing up there. I don't know if you've ever seen a race, but you know when the race is, when they're getting ready, because the athletes all start crouching down and taking their precision, and the guy that stands up on that stand, he stands up there, and once he does this with the pistol, the athletes know, and he says, ready, set, And when that starting shot goes, when he says go, they run. And they don't run to dawdle, they run to win. Thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our messages from Impact Church. We hope and trust that this message encouraged you. If you want to find out more information about our church, check us out online at www.impactkingston.com. 